Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hi, I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode, number 37 of Flip It or Skip It, we're going to be talking about stuffed animals. Oops, I mean taxidermy. <laughs> taxidermy. Well, basically, that's stuffed animals, <laughs> animals of, of all varieties. Do you have anything hanging on your wall? Anything that uh, uh, would show uh, Jimmy's or your hunting or fishing prowess? No, I just have Billy Bass. <laughs> and he sings. <laughs> That's right, and he sings. Cool. No, I, Billy no. Bass, I remember those. Yeah, they were worth a few bucks. I I actually had Billy Bass and the and the um crab and then later they came out with the lobster. Mm -hmm. I had all of those things, but that's as far as it goes. I I never I never uh caught anything that big that was, you know, able to mount. Worthy of mounting? No, no. But I do have a friend that had, um, I, I live in Florida, as, as you know, that had found a alligator that its beak, oh, they don't have beaks. Snout. The snout of it was run over by a car Ooh. and it was, it had passed away. And mm -hmm. so she thought, oh my goodness, let, let me get this stuffed. This is so cool looking. And she actually put it in the freezer. And <laughs> all I could think of was, oh, gator tail. Gator tail's so good. <laughs> gator tail is very good. And, um, but come to find out, we did some research and it's illegal to do that. You mm -hmm. can't just, even if it was already dead. Right. You cannot um, capture an alligator and put it in your freezer or, or get it stuffed. And right. I didn't know that. And they have rules and, and it's a federal offense. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Laws, laws are, are very strict these days from the, the Federal Fish and Wildlife Service. And, and every state has the Department of Natural Resources or Fish and Wildlife Ser Service. And, the rules are going to vary. The laws are going to vary from state to state. Uh, for example, a few years back, there was a college student in California who inherited a mule deer trophy mount. That's that's the mm. head from his grandfather. And the grandfather was, was a hunter. He, he bagged this deer in Colorado, and he died, left it to his grandson, which was Kind of funny because the article pointed out that his, he did it as a joke because the grandson was a vegetarian. Oh. So he wouldn't have put it on his wall anyway. And he was a college student in need of some bucks. So he took pictures and put it on Craigslist to sell on Craigslist. And he took responses for about a week and corresponded with people that were interested in buying it. And finally, he got it sold. And no sooner had he accepted the money and the trophy mount walked out the door, then the California Fish and Wildlife Service were banging on his door, and they arrested him. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the reason is that in California, uh, mule deer 
are native species. Oh. So, and you can't buy or sell anything that is a species native to California in California. It doesn't matter that he got, uh, bagged the deer in Colorado. Oh. The, uh, the ownership was from a California resident, and uh, it was sold in California, and that's the letter of the law right there. But things like that happen frequently. I mean, I see uh, trophy mounts and things made out of animal parts at auctions all the time. And if you look on eBay and other places, there is a lot of selling activity for those kind of things. So I have to wonder which ones are legal and which ones are mm-hmm. are illegal uh, to sell. But it can get really complicated when you bring in federal law and international law and state laws and selling things across state lines mm-hmm. and validating ownership, provenance of, of the things and being able to prove if they're, if they're antique or not, because antiques uh, are usually grandfathered in to most state and federal laws, if you oh. can prove it, if you can prove it. Hmm. There's a couple of things to illustrate this point. A couple of years ago, there was an American orchestra who was going to tour in Europe. And the orchestra and all their instruments and, and, and arrived uh, at their destination, and many of the violinist bows had ivory inlays in it. And, of course, you can't move ivory across international borders. You right. can't do it. They confiscated all their bows. No. Yeah. Now, how's a violinist going to play oh, with a bow? No. Bows are not cheap. I have a friend who bought a new bow for cello, and she paid $40,000 for the bow. Wow. <laughs> I've never paid more than five or $600 for, for a composite bow, uh, but they can get very expensive. So if you can imagine, uh, of course, the orchestra can't play without bows. So they had to get all of that worked out. The wow. bow to a violinist is like fingers on your hand. Wow. You know, it's, it's an integral part of the technique and the process. So, so that was a no-go. And in the United States, since you can't sell not just taxidermy, but animal parts and things made out of animal parts, when the United States first tightened up on their laws for ivory and, and other parts, it was crazy because musicians traveling across state lines and going through customs and, and having their luggage and, uh, checked. If you had a guitar with ivory inlay, which is pretty common with, with high-end guitars, it could be confiscated. So there was a period of about a year where it was just crazy. Nobody what, knew what they could do. Some musicians would go out and buy new instruments that didn't have any ivory in them just so they could work. Uh, that's not the case now. There's, you know, musical instruments and that sort of thing are included in the list of exceptions, but but it's just nuts. What, what kind of experience do you have selling taxidermy on eBay? Well, I actually had someone um, from Florida bring me a stuffed alligator that was old. It was a definitely um, an antique. It was discolored. It was um, brittle. Right. And it was about 
maybe five feet long, and the center of it was probably about three or four inches round. But it was um, a slow sell, and I, like I always do, I priced it very high, and I finally accepted an offer at about $250, I believe. It made me more nervous to ship the darn thing because it was so fragile, but it also already had a broken tail. So the tail Mm -hmm. tip was actually um, bent off, but it was hanging by a few taxidermy threads. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't get in any trouble for selling it. Right. There's so many of these things on on eBay, uh, and some of the things I've seen are, are clearly illegal. You're not supposed to sell them. But a lot of them aren't, and I can't really discern the details without just from looking at eBay and sure. the listing. I need to know, you know, where it came from, how old is it, where is it going, who owned it. There's just lots of considerations there. You know, I have to to tell you, Wayne, every treasure hunt that I've been on since uh, we started treasure hunting in 2017 with Worth Point, every place that we've gone, every treasure hunt that we've been on, there is always some taxidermy. Oh. There, at every flea market, every antique store, there is always some kind of a critter that's stuffed right. and mounted. Right. And I'm curious now if I pick up one of these, and I've seen them at Goodwill. I've seen mm-hmm. them at, at thrift stores as well. So if a person is thinking about flipping something like that, I mean, what do you check? The toenails? I mean, how how do you tell? Is it an antique? You can't without provenance. You, you need to know where it came from. And, and like the example of the young man in, in California, he knew where it came from. It was his grandfather's. What he didn't know was that the species was native to California, and then it didn't make any difference that it was shot in California and oh, Colorado. So you got to check so, the law. Yeah, you've got to check. I wouldn't do anything. Uh, you can go to the uh, Federal Fish and Wildlife Service to their website. That's probably a .gov something. And they have a list of all the states and what their laws are on specific things. But I wouldn't try to interpret the law myself. Mm-hmm. I'd call my state fish and game service and ask them specifically about the item that I've got. Because there are, for example, you go to eBay and you see lots of items that are very common. Alligator bags, alligator shoes, ostrich boots. You see the things made out of various types of animal hide. But it is, in most cases, uh, illegal to uh, import them internationally or to to sell any kind of endangered species or protected species. And there's a difference between protected and endangered. But the laws will vary from state to state. For example, in Alaska, if you're a native to Alaska and you're making Alaska souvenirs and memorabilia, out of animal parts, walrus tusks or mm-hmm. you know, bear hides or whatever, there's an exception for that. There's an exemption. But that's in Alaska and to a certain uh, group of people. It just varies from state to state. You have to know. And 
I would be nervous personally if I saw something like that at a flea market or an antique mall or an auction. I would skip it. I would not trust my own interpretation of the law because there are too many fine points. So this is one of those items where I would say, no matter what, skip it. Okay. Okay, Dana, this is a good spot to pause for a word from our sponsor, and we'll turn it over to WorthPoint. Dealers, you don't have to build your own reference library. WorthPoint has done it for you. With WorthPoint's digital library, you can access over 1,000 books on antiques and collectibles in one convenient place. Find the info you need quickly. Search books by title or author or subject. Dig deep using a keyword search. Don't waste time digging through pages of Google results. Get there quicker with WorthPoint. For a seven-day, seven-lookup free trial, go to worthpoint.com. Okay, we're back. Yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford, and we're discussing flipping taxidermy. Let's pick up where we left off. A few years back, there was an antique mall in Kentucky. Many of the booths in the mall featured trophy mounts because a lot of hunting in in Kentucky Mm -hmm. and these things accrue over the years and get passed down and they end up in uh, sales and malls. Well, the the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Service raided the antique mall. No. Yeah, to get to get rid of all this stuff, and the person who got blamed for it and fined and suffered the penalties was the mall owner. Yeah, and he didn't even own them. Wow. But he pro but he processed the sales, which oh. made him responsible for it. Wow, that is crazy. Yes, it is. There was a. Big. Uh, everyone in the antique business was was upset about that. Auctioneers and sellers, estate sellers and auctioneers and taxidermists, all of those trades can get licenses to sell that stuff. Taxidermists, mm-hmm. especially, they can sell that those sorts of things with impunity because that's their trade. They're the ones who do the stuffing. Auctioneers have to be careful and do their research, starting in about the 90s, I started avoiding those things. I avoided those and uh, firearms, and I always Mm. found other ways to to sell them or liquidate them or or make money on them. But I personally didn't want the responsibility for any of it. Wow. Well, I have a friend in Florida that he is a professional where he can – he participates in, in the python hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's python hunting season in um, the Keys in Florida. And then they have gator hunting season. They have different things like that. And he does participate in that. And he knows how to skin and to clean the hides so that he can make wallets. Right. And he does really well on eBay. I just thought I'd give him a little plug. His He's called right. something... Something unique, but it's something U-N-E-E-K is his eBay name. And just for fun, when you get time, go take a look at some of the stuff that he sells. I think it's really interesting because he makes um, belt buckles from boa constrictor hides. He makes um, python skin knife. Sheaths. Yeah, he makes those python skin sheaths. Right. How you say that? Right. And he knows the law. 
So I wanted to point out, because last time I had a conversation with him, he shared with me how one of his, he did global shipping right. on eBay, and one of his um, wallets shipped globally, and whatever country it ended up in got pulled into customs mm. because of the nature of, of I don't I don't remember if it was an alligator or a snake. But right. it was coming in from America to that country. And so he ran into a few difficulties with that. However, he was protected with global shipping. Right. And he, he didn't have any issues. Right. Another thing that I learned from him was he actually went to an auction where all of the confiscated items from global shipping are being auctioned off and he actually got his wallet back. <laughs> You're kidding. Now that is an unusual circumstance. Out of all those things he found and retrieved his wallet. Yes. And so he doubled his money basically. Sure. But oh yeah. my goodness, what a story. I just couldn't believe that I guess global shipping has, you know, the, the items that were confiscated at, at customs or there's places you can go to that right. um, does these auctions right. for you to buy these pallets of items from customs. I didn't right. know that. Right. Of course, your friend acquired the skin. Right. Legally. He, That's right. He had a license to hunt. He he bagged it during hunting season. Right. Uh, he processed it within the law and did did what he was supposed to do. And that's that's important. There there are a lot of legal ways to obtain uh, alligator skins and and other things. Alligators, for example, uh, can be farmed, and sure. they're farmed for the meat. Just in the same way that, that beef cows are. They're farmed for the meat. If you're farming alligators and you skin a, a gator for the meat, the hide is a byproduct, uh, just like cow hide is a byproduct of the beef industry. Mm -hmm. And you can process those hides and tan them and make them into other things legally, but there's, you need to be licensed and inspected and prodded and pay your taxes. Yeah, and, right. You know, it's it's like any other kind any of food-based industry. Well, you know, it's it's interesting though when you know you're out and about and you say you would you would skip skip these kinds of items, but would you skip um, a, a cowhide wallet or or a alligator wallet or a purse? Well, I might be tempted by the purse. <laughs> if it matches your shoes. If it matches my shoes, right. If I found something, that, I mean, I just last summer or summer before last, pre-COVID, uh, I went to a festival and there was a leather craftsman there and I bought a nice embossed leather belt. Mm -hmm. Leather like that you can buy commercially, buy from a wholesaler. Sure. Cowhide, and uh, that, that's a pretty standard regulated industry. Now, if you wanted to do something like ostrich, you'd have to be real careful. Ostrich, of course, can be farmed uh, in the same way of any other bird because they, they provide meat. And then the, 
the hides are sort of a bonus to, to the meat in terms of the processing. But most birds, especially migratory birds, are extremely regulated. You have to be real careful about that. They're regulated at the federal level and they're regulated at the state. Now, for, for sellers, one thing I could recommend a place to start would be eBay in their policies section. They have an animal products policy. Okay. And uh, what what you what's not allowed to be sold on eBay and anything made from an endangered or threatened species can't be sold. There is you can't sell anything made from ivory or bones from ivory producing animals. I guess that would be elephants and seals mm-hmm. and and others. You can't sell things made from bear or marine mammals protected turtles, protected birds, uh, anything made from a domestic dog and cat. There's a list of things that you can't sell. And I would use that as a jumping off point if you see something that gets your attention at at a sale. But I'd just be really careful about taxidermy. Personally, I avoid it. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I may be tempted um, if it depends, you know, if I could take it on the plane coming home <laughs> from my treasure hunt. Um, right. I can remember my mother bought uh, an armadillo, a stuffed armadillo, when we were on family vacation in Mexico. Really? And, yeah, and she carried it on the plane home. And huh. <laughs> I remember when she was putting it above, you know, your head, um, above the the cargo compartment above your head and um, it made it home. And we had that thing for years. I thought it was possessed. I I thought it was scary looking, (laughs) but I wish I would have kept it, but she finally sold it at a garage sale. You know, I would be tempted. I, I admit it, but I would be tempted to pick up something if I saw it stuffed and the price was reasonable and they wanted to get rid of it. So, but now I think that after what I've learned from you on this topic, I think that it's more than just researching the beaver on, on WorthPoint and, and on eBay, because now I have to research the beaver on the law on that state. That's right. Then I'm, purchasing it from and then i have to look say i'm in texas buying a stuffed beaver and then i have to worry about putting it on the plane to take it to florida am i going to be stopped at the airport in florida for bringing a beaver across you know this the country so you'd have to look at the texas laws and the florida laws right to to see what you can do and that's scary well yeah i mean there. My opinion is that there are just too many other things that can be safely and legally yeah, bought without all those headaches. Now, right. if someone really knows the law and all of this stuff's online, all the laws are online, but if they develop some expertise in what can and can't be done, then there's a pretty healthy market for that, I would okay. think. Uh, someone who wants to, to be a seller and, and specialize in that, uh, they're probably going to end up being a one-stop shop because there aren't too many people around that know the ins and outs of that that aren't lawyers or don't work for the Fish and Wildlife Service. Okay. 
So, you know, it's possible, but you really have to research it. You really have to know your stuff. Okay. And you have to be a bit of a risk taker. Okay. And, you have, and I would want to be well insured. Well insured. I think fish are going to be different, though. I think fish are going to be different about mounting your 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 real billy bass or right, your right. or your sailfish. And bottom line is, you're not going to want to flip. You're going to want to skip taxidermy items. Absolutely, I agree with you on that. Skip them. Do not flip them. Or Flip them at your own risk. <laughs> and the risk can be considerable because uh, at the federal level, fines can be up to half a million dollars in six months in jail, depending Yikes. on the item. So, yeah, you'd have to make a pretty good profit. Okay, Dana, we have reached the end of episode 37. Wow. And there was nothing fishy about it. <laughs> okay, we'd like to thank our listeners for bearing with us. See you later, alligator. That's it. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint.com.